<laughs> All right. Now, I know that that's kind of funny and, and, and we laugh about it. But that's not too far off from a lot of mission trips. Uh, oh, what we're trying to do here, if you have your books, I don't know if these were passed out this morning, but if you have your books, the page we want to look at is the 2018 trips. We're going to take two trips this year. One is to Fort Worth, Texas, which is in uh, uh, May. No, June. I don't even know when I'm going on the mission trips. June, we're going to Fort Worth, Texas. This, this trip is, is amazing. You, I, I can't even describe it to you and do it justice. It's as close as you can get to going on a foreign mission trip without having to get a passport. Um, I actually grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and this apartment complex that we'll spend a good bit of time in serving is directly behind a church that I grew up in the youth group in. There's probably 2,500, maybe 3,000 units in this big apartment complex, and it's all refugees. It's all people from the Congo, from Nepal, from uh, Burma, from, I mean, it's like a foreign country when you go through the gates of this apartment complex. So it's like a mission field. So we'll, we'll do some big things there, hopefully, uh, with the help of the Lord. And then in September, we're planning on going to, uh, on our international trip to Tanzania with Brother Greg Wagner that was here a few weeks ago. Looking forward to that. And uh, all of these things are done. Everything that we're trying to do on missions trips, we're trying to base it around uh, church planning and, 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 and it be that be the basis of it. I love fresh water, fresh drinking water. It's very important. It's a great thing. I, I, there's a lady sitting right here and she is enjoying some fresh drinking water right now. And, and, and I, I realize how important that is. But here's how a missionary explained it to me. He said, I would rather someone get the gospel, drink contaminated water, die of a bacterial disease, and go to heaven than have all the fresh drinking water in the world and die and go to hell. So that's why we've tried to base all of our missions efforts into church planning. Then the humanitarian stuff we do out of those local churches that we plant. Man, wasn't that a great picture where they had built the well there at the church? So people come to the church to get fresh water and they get the opportunity to share the gospel with them. That's how those things work together and that's what we hope to do. Don't be um, alarmed too much by the prices or by especially the, the price on the international trip. We're hoping that's going to come down through some fundraising efforts, so just be praying about that. If you think the, the Lord's leading you to go on this mission trip and you want to go, we're probably going to limit it to about 25 people, so be, be sure and get on the list as, as quick as possible. We'll, we'll start a, a sign-up list for these probably next Sunday at, at 411, and, and it'll basically, especially for the international, the, the, the Fort Worth trip, we'll take the whole church if you want to go. The international trip, preach probably wouldn't like that. The international trip, uh, we're probably going to be limiting that to 25. So the first 25 people that are on the list with their deposit in, uh, those will be first come, first serve for those. So don't worry about that big number. Uh, we're going to try to get that down. And I, I believe if we start early, that number won't look near as big. Amen? Amen. All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I hope you guys have all had a great weekend. Man, I had a really good day yesterday. I know this is going to sound terrible, but I was home all by myself. Everybody left. My wife, my wife went and did something with a couple of her friends. Uh, Sydney was gone. And uh, so I've got the whole house to myself, watching some college football. Uh, and the thing that was great about it is I can turn the TV up loud enough or, or, or louder than what I would turn it up if there were other people there. And then I can hear it over eating potato chips. And uh, 
I really enjoy that. You just turn it up loud enough, and then whatever you're eating, you can still hear it. Um, so I had a good day yesterday, rested up. Hope you all had a good day. Obviously, it didn't get out on Facebook that Pastor Carter wasn't going to be here because we have a great crowd this morning. Um, <laughs> now, if you're visiting and we've sucker punched you this morning and you thought you were going to be here in the pastor, uh, I encourage you to come back when he's going to be here. He's a great man. He's a great preacher. And there's a reason why he's the pastor. But uh, I am, my name, if you don't know me, my name is Jeff Robertson. I'm the missions and outreach pastor. This is Missions Emphasis Month, and that's what we've been talking about all, all month. We'll continue that through next Sunday. So I hope you'll be back. Now, don't forget, one of the things that we're praying about, a couple things. First of all, the number one most important thing is what would God have you do? But don't forget next week, we have the special one-time offering. Now, I know the 200, 500 thing can maybe get a little confusing. 500 is how many churches that we talked about last year that we wanted to plant by the year 2020. We're a third of the way there, a little over a third of the way there, so we're on track. That's great. That's going well. The 200 is how many that we want to plant with that one-time offering that will be taken up next week. And hopefully you've been praying about that, what the Lord would have you to do. We hope that would take a $60,000 offering for us to be able to do that. Now, the great thing is there is a, 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 a large donor who has agreed to match dollar for dollar whatever we, we deposit. So if we, if we do the $60,000, he's going to match the $60,000. And instead of planting 200 churches, theoretically, we'll be planting 400 churches. So just pray about what the Lord would have you to do. Remember what preachers said. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. There's people that can do more than others, and, 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 and there's people that can do less. But the people that can do less, God will bless you efforts just as much as he will the people that can do more. So we need everybody's participation. John chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Very, very famous passage. Everybody knows this. It's, uh, it's been on more football eye patches, more football signs. I mean, who hasn't seen this, this, the address to this passage on a poster behind the goalpost at some point in their life while watching a football game. We're going to look at all three of these verses here in John chapter 3, verses 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not a Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings and your goodness to us. Lord, I pray that you just be with us in this service. Help it to be an encouragement and a help to someone in Jesus' name. Amen. If we were to go over to Romans, and we won't do it this morning for time's sake, Romans chapter 1. The book of Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. And I think you can tell by the name of the book, you're pretty smart people, who he's writing it to. He's writing it to the Romans. And in chapter 1, he gives a description of a group of people that are, uh, well, here's some of the things that they're involved in. Just the most immoral sins that you can possibly imagine. The Bible describes it as extreme wickedness, maliciousness. And this phrase is actually in the, in the chapter, haters of God. He says, talks about uh, the sin of homosexuality. Uh, he talks about inventors of evil. And all of these things really just equate to a society that's very hedonistic. They are uh, just the worst possible 
sins that you can imagine. If you think back from a historical standpoint, he's talking to the Romans. This is the group of people that brought us the toga party, okay? Uh, they're, they're pretty rowdy people. And history tells us that they were involved in some pretty uh, grisly things from a morality standpoint. And that's who he's addressing there in chapter 1. He goes on in chapter 2 and he's talking to a different group of people. This group of people he, he describes, he says, who by patient continuance in doing well. He says, they do by nature the things contained in the law. We're obviously dealing with a different group of people. This group of people he's describing here is a very uh, um, moral group of people. Very upright, upstanding group of people. If we were to put these two groups that he's describing here in chapters 1 and 2, if we were to put them on a boat, it looks something like this. We've got the little boat, and up on the, on the back of the boat, you've got the chapter 1 people. And chapter 1 people are, like we said, really rowdy. If they were back there on the back of that boat, well, they'd be partying and they'd be drinking and they'd be in, engaging in various and sundry malicious acts that we're not going to describe on a Sunday morning, right? See, one guy's even, he's swinging off the flag. They are partying down on the back of the boat. Well, <clears throat> if we were to describe the people in chapter 2, they're sitting up on the front of the boat and they're following all the rules. They've got their life jackets on. I thought it'd be funny. I meant to have one of those orange life jackets so I could put it on and walk around with it on for a little bit. Those are just funny. Even if you're at the lake, those are funny. But these people are following all the rules. They're sitting down. They're keeping their hands and feet inside the moving vehicle. They're doing everything that they're supposed to do, right? Now, see, and here's one thing that he describes in chapter 2 about this group of people. They hate those people on the back of the boat. They detest them. Now, stay with me for just a second while I apply this to us today. You imagine the community that you live in. I would say the majority of the people in here this morning live probably in the county. I'm not sure, but, but we'll, we'll picture a place out in the county simply because of restrictions. You go out in the county and you save your money, you work hard as a young person, and you buy a piece of property. You put a trailer on that piece of property and you live there while you save more money. And you get the property prepared and set up, and you build your dream house on this piece of property. You sell the trailer. You got a shop out back. It's neat and clean, and everything is in place, and you're so proud of your place. And you should be. But right up the road, it looks like Sanford and Son. <laughs> now, I'm going to be careful about describing that place because I might be a little too, might head a little too close to home for somebody in here, and I don't want to do that. But, but it, it looks really bad. And you've noticed over a period of time a lot of traffic coming in and out of there. I wonder why. And you've noticed that a couple of times the shed out back behind this place looks like it's on fire, but it's really not, and you're not sure what's going on back there. See me after the service, I'll tell you what's going on back there. A lot of traffic. And you know what? You detest those people. You can't stand them. And in reality, you probably got some right to feel the way you feel. They're wrecking the property value. They're bringing the community down. But that's kind of like these people on this boat. And that's kind of like the people in Romans chapter 1 and 2. People in chapter 2, they're very moral, upstanding people. They've never paid a bill late. They've never even woke up late, much less paid a bill late. they got 800 beacon scores. Their yard has never had a weed in it. There has been a few in those people down the road. 
And they're just partiers, man. They just like to get down. Well, goes on in chapter 3 to describe a group of people that if they were on this boat, well, they wore a certain attire. Go back to the boat. You went too quick on me. They, they wore a certain attire. They dressed a certain way. They looked a certain way. They had a book that told them how to be a sailor. You know, a sailor has a physical mark, a tattoo usually. A, you think about Popeye, he's got a tattoo of, a, of an anchor on his forearm and that associates him as a sailor, right? These people had a physical mark that associated them with the religious group that they were in. And these people uh, had a book that told them how to be religious. They had certain clothes that they wore. They had that physical mark. And they were very religious people. Now let me ask you a question. It's a very difficult question, but you're a smart crowd, and I know you'll get it. What did these three groups of people have in common? What was that? They're all in the boat. Now some are on the front of the boat, and some are on the back of the boat. And there's even a guy driving the boat. But they're all in the same boat. And that boat in this story is the boat of condemnation. It says in John chapter 3 that we read that they are already condemned. In Romans, in chapter 3, Romans tells us that the thing that they have in common that both Jews and Gentiles, and I don't know if you realize that, but that includes everybody because this morning you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. Whether you be Jews or Gentiles, they are all under sin. The thing that those people have in common is they're all in the same boat. Regardless of your position in the boat, you're in the boat. John chapter 3 tells us that they are already condemned. If that boat sinks, you're going down. There's no way to avoid it. Now this morning, there are people most likely that fit into all three of those categories sitting right here in this congregation. Man, the balcony's nearly full this morning, the first floor. I mean, there's a lot of people in here. So there's a lot of opportunity for you to be in one of those three seats on that boat. You're either hedonistic, a party animal. you got to hang over this morning. <laughs> I mean, you barely got here, but you're here. That will probably apply more to the next service than this service. That crowd comes to the 11 o'clock service. They couldn't make it for this one. But as you chuckle, you guys are in the front of the boat, really, in this crowd. This is the crowd that's on time. Y'all have good beacon scores. Y'all follow the rules and regulations. Your kids are college graduates. And everything is, you've never colored outside of the lines. There's some of you in here this morning that you were born. You were birthed. I think you, you came out of the womb with the New Testament in your hand. Okay? You've been a Christian since you were born, right? You're driving the boat. You're a very religious person. You're here. But the Bible says, He that believeth not is condemned already. A friend of mine, she's in here this morning. She sent me a, 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 a meme the other day that had a picture and it made reference to something about uh, uh, if you believe in Jesus, 
Uh, is that good enough? And here's my answer. I never did respond to that meme, so here's my answer. The, the, the demons and Satan have a mental assent to a fact. They believe that a Jesus existed. They were there. That's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and there's a lot of people that will, from a mental assent, from a uh, conceding uh, position, will say, yeah, there was a guy named Jesus that existed. Lots of people do that. Historians, atheists will tell you they believe that a guy named Jesus existed. Uh, I believe in George Washington, but not like I do Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people that think that simply because I was born into a Christian home, we've always been Christians. That doesn't make you a Christian any more than being born in a garage makes you a car. And just because you mentally can, will, will concede to the fact that Jesus was born, he is the son of God, he died on a cross. There's a very personal thing that's got to take place for you. There's got to be a point where you realize you're on that boat. I am currently sitting on the boat in one of those three places. And there is only one way, there's only one ticket off of that boat. And Jesus holds the ticket. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, this is just not a random Easter story. Jesus' death on the cross was payment for all of the sins of the world that had ever been committed and ever would be committed, and that includes yours. And it doesn't matter. Some of you in here will say, hey, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the things that I've been involved in. Well, let me tell you this. I'm so thankful for the verse that says, where sin doth abound. Grace doth much more abound. You may be on the back of the boat. You may be leading the crowd on the back of the boat. But let me tell you something. You are available. You, you are able to get off of the boat. And that comes very simply in the John 3.16. That verse says, For God so loved the world. That word so, I highlighted that because I wanted to emphasize that. He loved the world to such a degree that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I know. I believe in percentages. I believe in odds. And you can just about in a crowd this size make any comment you want to, and it's going to apply to somebody because there's a lot of people in here. So you're kind of hedging yourself when you say this, but... There's somebody and there's people in here that would say, I just don't believe that a loving God would send somebody to hell. Well, you know what? I agree with you. I don't believe that either. Let me show you this picture right here. This picture right here is my son. Now, I can say this and he fits in his own kind of little special category because I have two girls. So that gets a little tricky. But I just have the one son. So he can be my favorite son, right? He's my only son. He and I are pretty tight. That picture right there was taken in Tanzania. If you'll go on the mission trip, you'll get to take a picture just like that with me. <laughs> one at a time, and it's only $5 a piece. That's how I'm going to do some of the fundraising for my portion of the trip. Uh, <clears throat> See this guy right here? I sold up and was mad yesterday. You want to know the truth? I didn't want to watch football by myself. He's supposed to be sitting beside me. We watch football every Saturday together, and I'm still mad. He had some stupid wedding he had to be in. <laughs> Who has a wedding during football season? I just don't get it. That's just starting it off bad to me. But anyway, he's my best friend. 
And I want to tell you something. I've used this illustration. I've said this before. Maybe there's somebody in here different that hasn't heard it. If the circumstances uh, developed, and let's say ISIS busted in this back door, and they made me make the decision that all of you would have to die or he could die, I want to tell you something this morning. You guys are in trouble. Because I wouldn't trade every one of y'all for him. And I know that's terrible. I'm not really proud to say that. I'm just being honest. I'm being as transparent with you as I can be this morning. And I would expect you to say the same thing about your children. But God sacrificed his only son. And, and you say, well, yeah, but he knew he was going to raise from the dead. Yes, but the punishment and the severity of what he went through. In order to pay a debt, I love that, that, that uh, chorus, I owed a debt I could not pay. And he paid a debt he did not owe. You see, Jesus came and paid your sin debt. The thing that has put you on that boat is your sin. Our sin has made us separated from God. That iniquity has separated us from God. And the only thing that can join us back to God, it talks about in 2 Corinthians, is reconciliation. The only thing that can reconcile us back to God. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The only thing that can join us back to God is Jesus Christ. There must come a point in your life where you realize, I'm on the boat. I'm a sinner. I have offended a holy God. And if I died right now, I'd be in that boat and I'd be condemned to hell. And the only way off of that boat is for you to have faith and believe that Jesus, when he died on the cross, paid your sin debt. And you accept that payment for your sin debt, that free gift that Romans chapter 6, verse 23 talks about. That free gift, that payment for your sin is the only thing that will reconcile you back to God. Now here in a few moments, <clears throat> we're going to have an invitation. Musicians are going to play something, and you're going to have the opportunity this morning to say, you know what, I'm getting out of the boat. I've been in this boat long enough, and I don't want to go down with the ship. And maybe I didn't explain everything. You may have a few more questions, but there'll be people down here working these altars with a Bible that will show you how you can know before you leave here today that you have a secure home in heaven. There is no excuse and no reason anyone in this congregation should leave here this morning and not know for certain they're on their way to heaven. The problem is some of you don't realize that you're in the boat. Or you don't want to come to grips with the fact that you're in the boat. Or you don't want to, because you're at the front of the boat or you're driving the boat. I don't have any trouble with getting people on the back of the boat to, to, to agree to that. What they don't want to do is they don't want to, they don't want to come to grips with the fact that it's going to demand some lifestyle change for them after they get out of the boat. So you got different problems. But the fact still remains we're talking about your eternal destination. What would keep you from getting that settled this morning? For some of you, it's pride. Some of you, it's embarrassment. I don't really know. I, I, don't, I don't get that. But you're going to have the opportunity to make sure before you leave here this morning that you're on your way to heaven. Now, that's one group. I'm going to talk to two groups of people this morning. and That's one group. And the thing about it is we've all been in that group at one time, but there's some of you who are no longer in that group. You've gotten out of the boat. You put your trust in Christ. You've been saved. You know if you died right now, you're on your way to heaven. I want to talk to you for just a second, and I believe that's the majority of this congregation. The majority of this crowd would be in that group, and I want you to look at this verse right here. This verse is very important. The first half of the verse was, 
was who we were talking to at the beginning. The second half of the verse is you. And all things are of God who hath reconciled himself by Jesus Christ. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us. He's joined us back to him by Jesus Christ. Now read this next part. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody read that together. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, here's the, the, I think the disconnect sometimes with people when it comes to the ministry of reconciliation. God has given you the job. If you're a Christian this morning, if you've been saved, if you've put your trust in Him, He has given you the job of communicating that gospel, that story, to a lost and dying world. Now, there are some things this morning that that is not. These are important things. They've got to be done. They're great things. And I'm not discounting these at all, but it's not the same. An invite card. I'm excited about Temple Baptist Church. I've seen lots of lives changed here. And I give out invite cards. Waitresses, drive throughs that's not personal evangelism. Do you understand that this morning? That's an invitation to church. That's a good thing. Please don't stop doing that. And don't leave here and say, I said to stop doing that. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Keep giving out invite cards. I'm just saying that's not personal evangelism. You're, you're working the ministry here. If, if you keep the nursery, or you work in the children's ministry, or you help me in missions and outreach, or you go down to TSM, that's ministry work here in the church. Please don't stop doing that. That's wonderful, and you should be involved in that, everybody. But that's not personal evangelism. Personal evangelism and the ministry of reconciliation is where you tell someone else what God has done for you. And I don't mean he blessed me by paying a bill. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean where you communicate where you came to the point that you realized you were a sinner, that you were in the boat. Where you came to a place in your life that you put your trust in Christ and what he did for you and trusted him to save you and take you to heaven when you die. That's what I'm talking about. Now if we begin to survey the crowd here, and trust me, we're not because I don't want to be surveyed either. And we ask you, when's the last time? When is the last time that you took your Bible and you personally showed someone how they could know they were going to heaven when they die? It'd be staggering how many people in this crowd have, one, never done that, and for the ones that have, how long it's been since you have done that. What does that say about us? And I say us because I'm including myself in that group. Here's the thing. I cheat because I'm in the ministry. I'm here all the time. I get opportunities that you don't get, and I understand that. So in order for me to, to count that like I'm saying to you, I have to talk, look and think about myself outside of church work. When have I done that? So I'm talking to myself this morning. I need to do better at this. I'm failing miserably at this. Our job, let's look at these next two verses here real quick. If, you don't, if that verse is not enough for you, look at this. In John 3, 17, it says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Luke 9, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. We can all agree, agree about why Jesus came to earth, right? But what about why, why are we here as Christians? It says right here in John 20, 21, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. 
Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, well, he was talking to the disciples when he said that. Okay, that's one place. We can look at ten places in the scripture where it's specific about we as Christians, as followers of Christ. It is our job. It is our duty. It is what has been given to us to communicate our faith and tell people what Jesus has done for us. Think about this. People say, well, man was created to fellowship with God. Uh, you know what? I, I, I can see that. But as Christians, that's not what we were left here on earth to do is fellowship with God because I could fellowship with Him a lot better in heaven. You know? Some people say, we as Christians, our job is to glorify God, and it is. That's number one most important job. But specifically here on earth, I've been left here on earth. I could glorify Him better if I could see Him, if I were standing right in front of Him. So if God just wanted our glory, He could snap me to heaven as soon as I got saved. We were left here so that we could tell others what God has done for us. That's our job. That's our duty. That's why we're here on earth. Not to work in the nursery. Not to hand an invite card out the window at a drive-thru. Those are great things, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. We are talking about you taking your Bible and sharing the gospel with a lost person. That's what communicating your, your faith is. That's what personal evangelism is. That's what they're talking about in this verse right here. That's the work of the ministry of reconciliation. You see, everybody in here is in one of two categories. You're either in the boat or you've gotten out of the boat. You're in one of those two spots. You're either in the boat or out of the boat. If you're in the boat this morning, I'm going to invite you to get out of the boat. Come down here and let us show you how you can know you're going to heaven. If you're out of the boat, then I'm going to invite you this morning to come down to this altar. You don't have to have an altar worker. If you're saved and you're a Christian, you can handle that business on your own. You come down here and you commit. I'm going to make a conscious effort. I'm going to do better at helping others out of the boat. That's our job. That's why we're here, is to help other people out of that boat of condemnation. Every head bowed and every eye closes. The musicians come. We get ready for the invitation. Teaching is when you communicate information. Preaching is when you communicate information and you ask people to make a decision about that. And that's what we do here at Temple is we have an invitation and we ask you to make a decision about it. If you're here this morning, I really, and you're, you know beyond any shadow of a doubt, you're still in the boat of condemnation. You know that you're lost and, and you've never settled this with, with Christ. I don't need you to raise your hand. I just need you to come down here. And we're going to pray and when we get done praying, the musicians will start singing. You come down here and find somebody. Now, those of you that are saved, I want you to come down here to make it easier for those people to come down. More people that are moving and coming down towards the altar, it makes it easier for that lost person to come down. And I also